we actually thought about that when we were writing it and we we're like, well, is this going to be too soon? And then as we were filming it, like, oh, this is just going to be, we had the same conversation. It's going to be dated. And I think it's just, you decide. I really think it depends on, on where your mindset is. I think the, the movie transcends the pandemic because it is just such a thrill ride and it is a, it is at its core, just a fun slasher film. So I think it goes beyond that if, you know, so we'll see, and we'll see if they'll let the audience tell us. One of the things that we wanted to do is we were all sitting around in the very beginning of the pandemic, just scared and uncertain with our own lives, watching TV all the time and not knowing what this pandemic was going to bring or when it was going to end or how it was going to turn out. And we just thought, well, what if we put a face to that fear and that uncertainty in the form of a man with a knife and what might that look like? And so that's sort of is how the whole movie sort of manifested. And um, from there, we sort of came up with the rest. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin. Hello. Hi, Trent. Skeleton crew this week. Yeah, again, once again. Missing missing half the show. This is kind of an impromptu, spontaneous episode. We had a schedule difficulty this week, and we couldn't do... We were going to take the week off. We couldn't do the episode that we had planned, and we were going to take the week off, and then Kevin and I decided we had time to... Check out a couple brand new movies from this year that had been on our radar that we hadn't seen, and we could get in here and talk about it, the two of us, so that we could get some kind of episode out this week. Yeah, did we announce the movies that we, we were going to talk about? We're, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to talk about those next week, um, Pearl and Death Proof. Yep, nice. I was excited about that, you know? I, what can I say? One of us on the show is better at recording when they travel than another one of us. <laughs> Uh, recording you know i had honestly i did a, a show i did an episode on, uh, from the road this past summer and i had a, a new appreciation for you specifically but anytime somebody's traveling and it's they, tough yeah i was regretting that i had agreed that i didn't just say i can't do that week yeah because you think it's going to be fine and easy and you're going to have nothing better to do anyway. You're going to be in a hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when the time comes, like, this is a pain in the ass. Why did I say I would do a fucking podcast when always, I'm trying to do this other stuff? There's always a technical difficulty. Always Inevitably. a problem. Always a problem. That's right. And then it's like late. You start late. And you're like, why did I agree to do this? Now it's tying up my whole night here. The worst for me was Amsterdam. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where I literally had to bang on the hotel room of an employee Oh, that, that get, was you had your get computer. their laptop. Oh god, that was uh, I mean that was that was the. But I mean otherwise, you know, it be you know you get used to it, I guess, if you do it a lot. But yeah, it is a pain in the dick. I totally, uh, I appreciate the fact that some uh, some other folks have gone out there. But but Dave's Dave's jet setting this week, so he was in L.A. doing some um, some big stuff. But I don't want to steal his thunder. Bigger uh, stuff than this. He'll tell us about it. He will tell us about it. There's a a, a big one that he, Dave's going to announce, or, or or at least talk about. He went out there to end the actor strike, and he was successful. Yeah, exactly. We can we can thank Dave. Actor strike is over. Big deal. How long was this? Four months? Five months? Long time. Longer than that. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember because I think it was the writers first, and then the actors after that. But too long. Uh, a lot of 
things have been delayed, and uh, I'm happy that people are getting back to work. I saw a uh, we got a release date for Terrifier three. Did you see that? I did not. I saw the I saw a poster like a Christmassy poster. Yeah, uh, next October. Gonna have to next wait another October. year. Yeah, I'm so disappointed. Wow, they're really shoving this down our throat. Another. I, I mean, I wanted it sooner than that. I thought they could have it ship shape by springtime. Get this movie out. They're just delaying it because it is like a Christmas thing. No, I just think it takes some time to get a movie out. Okay. I mean, not an unreasonable timetable, but I was hoping we would get it before then. So next October for Terrifier 3, very excited uh, about that. I saw the um, Salem's Lot, the new Salem's Lot future is in limbo. Yeah, there was a TV show that I didn't know existed that just got canceled. About was, Salem's Lot? Yeah, there was supposed to. it was like a prequel. Oh, really? I guess they did one season, couldn't even tell you where, and the second one hmm. um, was greenlit and then was canceled. So I didn't even know about that. There was some um, uh, Gary Dow- Gary Daubermans was doing a he did made a uh, a, a remake of Salem's Lot and was supposed to get a, th- a theatrical release. First reports that came out said that it was going to just go to streaming. They were scratching the theatrical release, and then Stephen King came out and said it's just been shelved, that there's really no plan to put it out. Hmm. They don't like it. Stephen King said he liked it. He said that it reminded him of old Hollywood style. I mean, Doberman, you know, King's a fan of Doberman's adaptations of his stuff. Yeah, refresh me on on Doberman's stuff. Uh, Like The Mist. Oh, that Uh, I thought that was Darabont. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Darabont. Yeah, I I don't, uh, Doberman, I don't, know that uh oh he did the annabelle yeah yeah and he directed the last one right he was just right screenwriter and director he wrote some of the conjuring stuff and then he directed what did he direct annabelle yeah, comes he home wrote, wrote annabelle annabelle creation the nun annabelle comes home he directed um annabelle comes home and then he wrote uh it and it chapter two so i think that idea held some promise of him doing Salem's Lot, but right now unclear if we're uh, we're ever going to see it. Well, that's too bad. You see anything anything good lately besides what we're uh, about to talk about this week? Yeah, well, so so when this came up, Trent had kind of inspired me because I usually will, as we creep towards the end of the year, I like to look at the Rotten Tomatoes like best of list. Mm-hmm. But like in a recent episode, you had talked about like how like gaming you can game Rotten Tomatoes just like anything nowadays, yeah. like blah blah blah. We'll get into it, but this year is a, a massive. There's like, a lot of oh, game fucking playing proof going on. of what you were claiming for <laughs> sure. Um, but so, but I'm also looking at things that are like just coming out now that aren't like super high profile, but are yeah. getting a lot of like indie noise. And uh, Joe Lynch just did a movie called Suitable Flesh. Oh, I haven't. Yeah, I have heard a lot of good things about it. I haven't seen it. So I, I rented it today. It is. It's on VOD. Uh, big shutter banner when you first start it. So I think yeah. we, you will be getting it streaming soon. I probably could have yeah. saved a few bucks. Um, starring Heather Graham. Yes. Uh, but, you know, uh, Barbara Crampton. There, there's some nice legends in there. Uh, all based on a um, Lovecraft story takes place in Arkham with Miskatonic University and Miskatonic Hospital. So it's set in that universe, uh, and it is very faithful to Stuart Gordon. That's uh, what they're, the pitch is that this is a throwback to Reanimator style it Stuart is, Gordon it is. 80s stuff. We just watched Reanimator on Halloween. Yep. Yeah. Good timing, too. Um, and, and you know what? Joe Lynch did a fantastic job. It's, it's very much a throwback. 
Uh, he's got the style down. It's it's proper parts comedy, proper horror, um, campy, uh, really good. A lot of nods to Stuart Gordon, not just in dialogue, but also in scenes and then directing style. Uh, it's cool. It's a good one. It's a good. I would highly recommend it. Highly. Highly recommend okay. it. Okay. If you're a fan of that, I you will you will Trent, I think will like this a lot. Okay. Uh, if you're a fan uh, of right. that of that era and that kind of style. Um Heather Graham's awesome in it. Uh, everybody really is is fantastic. Um it's cool. It it, it it is exactly what it's being marketed as. Yeah. Uh, and it's being marketed to, I think, the right people. Like, and no, this did not have dreams of a theatrical release and making $30 million at the box office. This was right. this like a labor of love for fans, by fans. It's it's great. That's why I was, I've was i been skeptical. Any Anytime, you know, when, when people start talking about it's for the fans, I think... Uh, fair. I, no, fair. And I, and I went into it the same way. Honestly, I've been dying to see The Last Voyage of the Demeter and I have no idea what the fuck they're doing with this movie because it didn't do well at the box office. No. And then it hit VOD. I thought it was out. It hit VOD, but it's been 1999. Oh, still. For a rental. Wow. And then all the rentals went away. You can only buy it for 1999. It's like going in the wrong direction. Interesting. So uh, Suitable Flesh popped up. It had been on my radar, and I went with that today. So. Well, speaking of Stuart Gordon, I, for the first time that I can remember, pretty sure I had never seen Dolls before. 80s Stuart Gordon, recommended by uh, Justin. Thanks for the tip, Justin. Dolls had always been, you know, down in the back of my list. I don't think I saw it back in the day. Really great. I would recommend Dolls. It's on Tubi. It's not a reanimator style. It's more of a, it's almost more of a a family, you know, it's not family, but it's a much lighter version of Stuart Gordon horror than reanimator it was really really good though it's breezy it's fun it's light it's smart um i just watched a new one called megalomaniac have you seen anything about megalomaniac no it's out there on vod it's from this year it's a belgian and uh some of the i saw some word that it was pretty brutal i was kind of hoping for some french brutality and it sort of almost is. It's almost like a new French extremity. It's a little weirder. I don't know. We. I mean, you can't really get weirder than that. A little different than that. It's pretty good. It's VOD. I guess I can't say I would. I would run out and see Megalomaniac. But if you're interested, I thought it was pretty solid. I've been still chipping away at the catalog of Park Chan Wook. We talked about Thirst. I was bowled over by Decision to Leave from last wow, year, which okay. is on movie right now. Decision to Leave, five-star film. One of my favorite movies. Go see it's on VOD or it's on movie if you have movie. Really, really great. I watched a movie called Stoker, which was his first American studio film with yeah. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Great one. Great dark thriller. And then I just saw The Handmaiden, which is from 2016. Kind of a um Kind of his version of like a dangerous liaisons. It's kind of a an erotic thriller, dark noir, double crossing. Okay. Um, if you've seen other Park movies, it, it's kind of what you would expect. It's really good. Um, there's a lot of sex in it. Okay. Just say that. Same, <laughs> really? same with Suitable Flesh. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah, a yeah. horny flick. <laughs> Um, also just watched a movie called Wolf's Hole. From, that sounds uh, like a lot of sex in that one. No, or? unfortunately, <laughs> no. Yeah, it sounds, sounds sexier than it is. Um, no, it's uh, it's an old, it's an 80s movie from Czechoslovakia. 
or whatever, Czech Republic. It's kind of a twist on the a teen slasher. All these kids go up the ski mountain to some sort of skiing, elite skiing getaway. And it, it turns into this sort of pseudo slasher commentary, political commentary. It's really interesting. It's on Criterion right now. It's gotten uh, a little bit of a second life. If you're into something off the beaten path, Wolf's Hole is, is very interesting. I wouldn't say that I loved it, but I've been thinking about it for, you know, a week since I watched it. So pretty, pretty interesting. Wow. You're getting your homework in. End of the year. This week, <laughs> two, two brand new impromptu. Both have been on the radar. Both critically well-received films. I mean, according to Rotten Tomatoes. We're going to start with the uh, Peacock original called Sick. 2023, Kevin Williamson penned John Hyams' directed slasher flick. And in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, Parker decides to take her friend Miri out to her lake house for a little COVID retreat. (laughs) And while they're there, they find out that they are indeed not alone. So this one, pretty Kevin Williamson. So Kevin Williamson. So Kevin Williamson. So Kevin Williamson that eight minutes of an 80-minute movie is taken up by a Kevin Williamson cold open. He's like, fuck it. Love it. We're going to give you like fucking high percentage of the movie will be my opening. Not as much as the next one. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Yeah, super fair. (laughs) Um, This is um, interesting. Everything good about a slasher. Uh, A little bit too late in the pandemic for me. Like, surprise that this came out in 2023, January, albeit, what? but still. <laughs> um, but a little bit late to the game, I think. A lot of people had done this, like, really already. And it did. Uh, maybe they thought they were far enough away from it that it was, like, a little bit comedic and nostalgic for all the wrong reasons. But, like, you know, they do kind of nail the whole, like, waiting in line, fighting over toilet paper. I loved all that stuff. It does sort of bring you so back good. to some of that, the mask stuff. It was like, traumatic. It was traumatic. <laughs> and, and and how quickly we forget, <laughs> oh too. Oh, my God. It brought um, it all back right away, right? The, the movie starts off, you're like, in the grocery store. Oh, my God. Yeah, holy shit. Like, I cannot. I cannot <laughs> believe this. Um, Williamson does the whole telephone thing, but instead now it's text messages. Love it. Like, he's giving you all that. <laughs> Um, so anyway, there's a cold open. You meet Parker and Miri. They head out to her, her, I'm guessing her parents' lake house, and they're just there to get fucked up and not have to wear masks and party by the lake. They're bubble. They're in a they're little bubble. Yeah, they're bubble. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're COVID bubble. Yeah. Boy interest of Parker shows up, they're not happy, and then boom, slasher shows up and shit goes down. What I will say that I liked a lot about this is Unlike a lot of slasher flicks where you sort of jump from uh, a death scene and then into some more like mundane bullshit and then a death scene. It's like, you know, slashers are typically like a series of interesting deaths that are set up by varying degrees of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This one, as soon as the killer shows up, it's like a 45 minute long, stressful, constant battle. It doesn't let up. And, And maybe what it does well is also something that I'm holding a lot against it because I feel like there was massive missed opportunities, but this is just for me. So other people could watch this. Clearly many critics did and they enjoyed it. About halfway through the movie, it's runtime. Something happens and you're like, what the fuck? Like this doesn't typically happen during a slasher film. Yeah. And then I was like, literally the possibilities are endless. Maybe that was why one of the, one of the problems with the movie is 
when this happens, I was like, possibilities are endless. And my brain started being like, where could this go? Where could this go? And then ultimately where it did go, I was like, oh, fuck. Like, kind of disappointed. And then another thing happens and, and something, somebody else is introduced. And I was like, oh, my God, where could this go? Where could this go? And then ultimately where it went was like a real over-the-top like comedic element of like the pandemic. Yeah. It didn't land totally for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know what, all that being said, as far as like Kevin Williamson writing a slasher movie in 2022 or whenever he must've written this, not fucking bad, you know, being 26 years removed from scream or something like that. Like he still got it. He still has a little bit extra to make a very tired, uh, subgenre work. I absolutely loved it. I loved sick. I and I don't have Peacock. I've draw I've drawn the line and we were just talking before we started about that. I you can rent this for a couple bucks. I would say go right ahead if you don't have Peacock and rent sick. I thought it was classic Kevin Williamson, who is somebody that I don't you know, we've talked about Scream and I just always give tend to in my mind to give the credit for Scream to Wes Craven. Because I think of Wes Craven as a as a writer director, and I think of how many times his films reinvented the horror genre, and really in reality, a lot of the credit for Scream is Kevin Williamson, the writer. He had that that screenplay was written before Wes Craven got attached. Wes Craven had come off of Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy, the horror comedy. Really? Yes. Oh, I forget. He directed that. that. Uh, He wanted to sort of get away from horror a little bit. That was a failure, not well received. I don't think it was successful. And so this was proposed to him. Now he came on board and uh, Scream. I mean, he he'd made some changes and and he worked with Kevin Williamson. But Kevin Williamson had written Scream and, of course, went on to write the sequels and wrote "I Know What You Did Last Summer." Uh, This to me is like Kevin Williamson on a long weekend, just. Doing the old magic. He's still got it. He knows exactly how to do this. It's so effective. I loved the cold open. Classic Kevin Williamson cold open, like you said. The text stalking. Text text stalking is scary. Just like in the old days, the the, the phone calls coming from inside the house. Or, um, the one with Carol Kane that we talked about. The stranger calls and all this. I love that stuff. And uh, Black Christmas, another example. But to do that with text, I think, is, is great. And I loved the way this movie did it. The other piece of this movie that I think really works is uh, John Hyams? Hyams? John Hyams, who directed a movie called Alone. Uh, that was his last feature. Yeah, I was going to talk about that. Really good. Okay, I haven't seen it, but I've heard I've heard good things. Kind of similar to, to Sick in um, very small cast, very, very tight yeah. uh, layout in terms of, uh, and again, like middle of nowhere, but right. it's, it's really good. I heard good things about this. So that was one another thing that made me curious about this. And and I think a perfect director to realize the script is one thing to have a classic Williamson on a bender weekend uh, doing the old magic again. But I think you have to have somebody obviously in the director's chair who can pull that off. And it's pulled off really well. Also the performances I thought were great. All of the actors in this were really good. I, I bought everyone. I thought the characters were well enough defined for me and they were a little bit different. Um, I really, really enjoyed this tight. This is under 90 minutes. It is fast. It opens. It doesn't really let up. And you have all the classic Williamson fake outs and things like that. You know, and you never really know what's going on. And uh, it's fun for me to try to guess 
when things happen, like, uh oh, what does that mean? And, you know, because you, you have some familiarity with some of the stuff that he does. And uh, I loved the the lighter side and sort of the comedic commentary on the times that we have been through that, you know, that first scene in the grocery store with the arrows on the floor and the distancing and the guy's running out and he's scared and his mask comes off and he bumps into a guy in the parking lot. Where's your mask, bro? And, you know, stuff like that. Like everybody's washing down their groceries, sanitizing the cereal boxes and all this time. Like, oh my God. It was really like, wow. This Or like all like the, uh, all like the DoorDash and stuff like that, where you'd like contactless, contactless everything. But you'd still wipe it down when you get the contain. Like a lot of that stuff, I thought was very funny. You've got somebody running from a killer, running for their lives. This, this uh, scene is, is it, this is the best scene in the you movie. You can't get in the car. I'm sorry, you're gonna have to mask up if you're gonna get in my car. That was that was the best scene. <laughs> so I really liked that, and you have the one friend that's a little bit more carefree, and and the other friend that is very very hardcore COVID compliant. And I thought it was like actually kind of subversive and irreverent to take that comedic angle on something that, especially for I think for a horror audience, I think. In this day and age, a lot of the commentary I think that we get in horror movies now that it's become such a fan, a fanboy, fan pal driven online Comic Con thing. The last thing you want to do is make horror fans mad. And there are prevailing attitudes among, let's say, online horror enthusiasts. There are sacred cows. There are things that you want to drive and messages that you don't really want to drive because you don't want to make all these people mad. And I actually thought for a little throwaway movie like this that it was pretty bold. To, to mine that humor of, you know, the, the kind of little bit of, of social hysteria and a little bit of politi- politicization that happened with the pandemic. Yeah, that could have been why it came out a little bit later in the game like, yeah. from the pandemic stuff, because it was maybe they did want to have it be a little bit more removed yeah so that we all could sort of find the humor in it. Right. Uh, I guess maybe if it did kind of happen 2021, 2022 or something, like it, either well, it you're still in it or... Well, true, but I mean, plenty of people churned out lots of shit in the we pandemic. Did. I mean, yeah. Well, I feel is, like we this saw... isn't exactly like massive cast, massive setting. No, like... but I feel like we saw more. I th- I feel like we saw more COVID movies in that they were filmed with minimal crew and filmed with minimal cast, and movies like Host, the whole thing is a Zoom call and stuff like that. But I don't think we've seen as much of what this movie does, which is put you right back in that. Yeah, fair. But all that aside, it's just, I think this is just a great horror slash movie. It reminded me of Hush, the Mike Flanagan movie that is no longer on Netflix, so you can't see anymore. Yeah, and we still haven't talked about Hush. We it, really do need we to. We missed it. They took it off Netflix, and it's yeah, gone. Well, Mike Flanagan um, has nothing but bad things to say about Netflix's attitude toward physical releases because he signed these deals with them uh, to do this original work, and they don't care about preserving it, and that's a victim. But this reminded me of Hush in that, it never lets up. It's two or three, four people at the secluded house, but it keeps you on edge the whole time. Really enjoyed this one. Yeah, wow. You liked this movie. I loved a it. A ton. I did. I will say the the scene, it doesn't ever let up, but instead of like uh, your traditional slasher, like I was saying, where you're going from like kill to kill. Yeah. That, that's where really some that. of like the, yeah, like, but like good scenes of tension and then the goddamn running from the killer on the road and the car pulls up, <laughs> super cliche. And then she runs up to the car and the driver will not let her in without a mask. Got a mask up. 
and it and it goes on longer. <laughs> it goes so on good. like just inappropriately too long <laughs> to the- really drive it home to the point where like you're laughing and then it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And even you, even the most hardened horror fans are gonna watch that scene and be like, just let her in the fucking car. Just let her in the fucking <laughs> yeah. car. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? Yes. This is yell at the TV. Yeah, kind of, it kind is, of stuff. It is, it is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Did you like the reveal? Or I, I feel like you felt like the reveal was weak, and I would grant you, you, you didn't love the reveal. No, like what? Yeah. what the entire purpose of the killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I wasn't the biggest it, fan. It was a little. It was definitely. I. It was too cute. It was too pat, and it was too like. Wah, wah. Okay, yeah. fine, but I still thought for this kind of movie, this isn't trying to be the next scream. It's not this the is, sixth sense. This is trying like, to take you I through 88 minutes of a good time, and maybe the reveal is not serious enough, or maybe it's it's too cute by half, or it's too, too on the cute. nose, well, but I mean, whatever you want to say. I guess, I mean, I'll even argue as my own point now that you've sort of like brought up a lot of, of, of good reasoning behind some of the pacing and decisions of this movie, it's almost kind of like it, it's the movie, it's the whole movie embodying like the car mask scene. Yeah. It's just like almost too over the top. I agree. It's almost I like agree. Williamson's just like, guess what? Now I'm really going to say fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm real. All you people that took this shit that seriously, I'm going to really say fuck you. I now. loved it. I loved it. It's bold. It's irreverent. It, it goes against the grain. It's okay to laugh. And you know what? You had me on the edge of my couch for the whole time. I was yelling at the TV. That's fine. Do do the too cute by half ending. Whatever. I'd be interested to. I think everyone should should watch this, and uh, I'd be interested to hear what uh, what everyone thinks about sick. <laughs> My contribution to this week that I have been subtly distancing myself from for the entirety of this episode, because it wasn't really my pick, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't, this wasn't my pick necessarily. It was a movie that was out there that was well received by all appearances. And a lot of critics did give this movie a pass. Although if you read the reviews, we'll get into that a movie called Influencer. This is a Shutter original. This is directed and co-written by Curtis David Harder, Canadian filmmaker. He did a segment of VHS 94, and he directed a few other features of of minor note, not that I've seen. His last movie was called Spiral, not the Saw movie Spiral. It's called Influencer, and it's, it's out it was out this year. This is about um, an influencer, an Instagram influencer who is in Thailand, traveled to Thailand to do some travel influencing. Supposed to be with her boyfriend, but they've uh, you know hit some some rocky terrain in their relationship, and so he's not there. She meets this other woman, this free spirit. They kind of set off together and strike up this fast friendship. Bad things ensue. I just, spoiler alert, this is dog ass. I hated this movie. (laughs) I was fooled. Once again, I was fooled by the hype machine. And I want to talk to Dave because Dave mentioned that he said this was good. 
I am theorizing without having talked to him since I've, I've seen it, and I will. I'm theorizing that Dave put this on and fell asleep because I cannot believe that our friend Dave enjoyed this movie. I know you didn't. It's it's terrible. It's a waste of time. I'm surprised any critics liked it. But this is one point I want to make about Rotten Tomatoes. When you see the fresh rating, that just means somebody has read a review that may not even have been a starred review, and they have decided if the preponderance of the review is positive or negative. So with this movie, I was so curious because I hated it so much. I thought it was so worthless. Not poorly made. It's a well-made movie, okay? I read some of the reviews in full, some of the positive reviews from the higher-profile the people that you'd expect to be a little bit more discriminating. And a lot of them are like, basically the review is like, meh, it works good enough. Or it, it has, you know, it does what it's supposed to do. They're not really that enthusiastic, but they're just good enough to get counted as fresh and drive the score up. So it sits at whatever it sits at. I think one thing that's funny about this is that a lot of, um, a lot of times, or at least sometimes when you're following the, the online horror world it, the bloggers and the podcasters like us and, you know, the pe- people like us, a lot of times the hand kind of gets tipped on the promotion of these films because you start to notice certain phrases that must have been in the press material that everybody is repeating, you know what I mean? Because they got the press packet and they were told that this is supposed to be the single white female of the media age. Wow, this is single white female for Instagram. And so a lot of reviewers said that, and I am sure that somebody put that out there that that's what they wanted people to see this movie as. If this is your single white female, if if this is the malevolent thriller, uh, malevolent stranger thriller, we talked about Dead Calm and that whole long genre of movies from the 90s. If this is your version of that, I'm sorry for you. Because this sucks. This is nothing. This is nowhere near as good as any of those movies. Don't believe the hype about this being that kind of film. It's not the single white female of the social media era. It just blows. Well, I was excited because I had also heard a bunch of good things about this. I, I think also from Dave. And again, you know, you go to like Rotten Tomato. I think both of the movies we're talking about this week are in the top 10. And Curtis David Harder. He's like this young, like Canadian wonder kid. He's done quite a bit like, of stuff. Yeah, not yeah. always directing, but like producing. Yes, he's Superhost, yes. which is a Shutter original. Right, um, right. I haven't seen that. I liked that a lot. Okay. Barbara, Barbara Crampton. That was like the Airbnb horror. Yes. Okay. Uh, with like a Nickelodeon star. Like, okay. I, I love it when you like these shows and these actors and, and that I was forced to watch when my daughter was little. And they're like little Nick and Disney shows. I love it yeah. when they have their horror phase. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like really rewarding to be like, yes, go get it. Like, uh, Superhost is great. I liked the spiral that he did. Okay. Um, and then there's a movie called What Keeps You Alive. That's oh, another. Okay. It's another um, like middle of the woods. Very. It's kind of like Alone. Actually, kind of like Hyams Alone. Um, just a couple going out to celebrate their one year anniversary, and bad things happen in the middle of the woods. This guy definitely knows the genre, and he and he's and he's he is good. This movie looks fucking awesome. It looks great. It's really fucking bad. Yeah, it's so bad. Sucks ass. Everything I read, um, those reviews that you were talking about that are kind of middling. Yeah. It's almost like people were like, "Yeah, whatever." I got a screener, and you know what? Like, yeah. I didn't fall asleep, so I I made it to the end. Like I, and it was okay. But a lot of them talk about Cassandra now. She plays the woman who the influencer meets in Thailand. CW. Everyone talks about her 
uh, performance. I which, thought it was fine. I thought it was nothing special. No, and, and like some of the reviews were like kind of comparing a bit. I don't think I never read anything that said like single white female or anything, but they're comparing it to like that level of a yes. of a performance where yeah. you are so innocent and sweet, and then so dark and Not mysterious and malevolent in the next. You know, in in the same scene, your face, her face change. I'm like, no, like <laughs> nah, she just kind of played yeah. it pretty. It was kind of comical, Pretty, actually. Uh, like a, yeah. The movie does look good, but there are times that it looks like an episode of a CW show. Yeah, and the acting uh, matches. Yeah. It doesn't, nothing is right. Uh, and I'll also say, it. yes, it looks good, but they're in Thailand with a bunch of drones, okay? Kind of hard to make a bad-looking movie if you go to Thailand with a bunch of drones. It's a beautiful place. So, so I was thinking that about this week and a lot of the the newer movies that we are seeing, particularly some of the newer Shutter originals, and um, you know, there's like a Prime is coming out with more original movies and, and things like that. Like, it's almost doing a disservice to some of these younger filmmakers. I think that you can make everything look like 4K Ultra yeah, HD now. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's taking away like some of like the original like stylization. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And and you know, shoot it in HD. Because you can, there, you have it. If you ever want to go revisit that footage or you want to show someone what, like, the clean shots look like, but stylize it or, like, do something. Like, none of these films are being done any type of service by how crisp they look. I know. It it almost just takes away from any personality. Yes, it doesn't match any of the ambiance or, like, the vibe that you're going for. Yep, Um, definitely. I can definitely go to Thailand and know that that beach and those cliffs and all that are going to look fucking awesome. Yep. Doesn't really match the fact that you know there could be some bodies there, or like there's something like really nefarious is going on, uh, and and then I also thought that this missed out on some legit horror moments. There's a scene uh, with a high heel <laughs> that I was I was yeah. like oh yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I uh, didn't really see anything though. You know, which you know whatever filmmaker's choice. It's not but boring. I thought that you know that that there was a couple of like true horror moments. And there is like, you know, we talked about the cold open. You you already mentioned this, but 25 minutes. Longest cold open ever. 25 minutes before credits. What? Uh, and like title card, like all of that stuff. But I will say that when CW gets uh, the influencer out to like this island that, that CW knows about. <laughs> it's so stupid. I actually did appreciate the scene. I'm not sure if it was meant to be this comedic, but there's a scene where they're like sitting around the fire drinking wine and stuff. Yeah. And CW lays out to the influencer yeah. exactly what yeah. she is going to do. Right. I actually liked that. Yeah, no, I thought that was good. <laughs> like, that was when I was still hoping that the movie would be good. This could go somewhere. Yeah. Like this could this could happen. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- by the time that the cold open is well, fucking half the movie's over and you get a title card. Now CW has assumed the place of this influencer and then the boyfriend shows back up. That is that so unbearable, but it's so unbearably bad. Yeah. So like, like yeah. CW gets it's bored. So she gets bored with this like <laughs> so life that she's taken over. She targets another woman that's visiting she, Thailand. She seems to another be kind influencer. of going influencer to influencer. She has this influencer grift. So she goes on to the next. I was surprised by... What happens with the boyfriend? I didn't expect that at all. So again, still at that point, I was trying to look for good things. Like, whoa, hey, that was surprising. I want to comment about the long cold open. I love cold opens and I love long cold opens. But to me, the point of the cold open is what we saw in Sick, where 
you're so engrossed. A, a movie grabs you immediately and pulls you right into it and engrosses you in it and you're in the moment and you forget that you haven't seen the title card yet. You don't even know you're so, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on with this movie? What is happening? And then, bang, it hits you with a title card. Wow. And you're like, wow, I forgot we hadn't even, you know, wow, this is great. And it puts you right in that mood, right? Because you just saw an awesome opening and you got hit with a title card. It just makes you feel good. And you're like, yes, let's get into this. This didn't do that at all. I just, when the title card hit, I was like, what? This half, this movie's half over. You know what it made me think? <laughs> this should have been a short film. <laughs> Those should have been the end credits. Yeah, less would have been more. That's That's for sure. Because the longer it went on, Every minute that goes by, I knew there was less and less chance of this movie redeeming itself. It's just funny because this is just how uh, just unapologetically optimistic I am when I'm watching these. <laughs> I start to get like optimistic about a scene. Yeah. So like when the boyfriend shows back up and they're starting to get suspicious of CW and then he brings like a whole party back home. Yeah. I was like... Oh man, this is gonna get wild. I me too. No, nothing. Happened. Another missed opportunity. Every yes. Other influencer that she decides to target because she's kind of getting bored. Turned out to be nothing. A totally irrelevant and yep. useless. Useless like character. I mean, at least it was a kill. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. All right. I'm more interested in what Cassandra Noud, that plays CW, is doing next because she's going to be starring in It's a Wonderful Knife. Have you seen? The... Oh yeah, I'm well aware. Yeah, it's coming out. It's going to be out. I think by the Soon after this airs, I think It's a Wonderful Knife will be in theaters. I'm excited for that. I'm, I'm shocked that either myself or Kat has yet to torture you guys with Freaky. Oh, yeah. I've um, never seen Freaky. But uh, same writer as Freaky, right, Michael, Michael Kennedy. Kennedy yes. uh, and like a great cast, Joel McHale. Uh, Catherine Isabel, Justin Long. Oh wow! Oh wow! Uh, I hadn't seen the cast. Yeah, so oh, okay. it, it looks. I'm excited for that one. Interesting. Um, and you know, I mean, we're being pretty disparaging about her acting, and it's not like bottom of the barrel. No, like, no, no. She does it's, a good job. It's not a bad performance. Just, it it's doesn't just, match up with the the reviews if, that if are you're like trying to compare this to. I, I saw comparisons to the talented Mr. Ripley, which is a remake of Purple Noon, a much better movie, I think, but none of those comparisons are apt. It's not that kind of performance to me. It's not the 90s psychosexual malevolent stranger. There's no sex. Okay. There's no sex in the movie. This movie is about young, hot Americans in Thailand, and there's no sex. Well, kind of. Come on now. Kind of. Yeah, come on. There is not even a... Nobody even makes out. These are the least horny young hot americans in thailand i've ever heard of no young hot american has ever been in thailand and been as uh, prudish and asexual as these characters now i don't know if that has something to do with this being a covid production this is a covid production that doesn't talk about covid this was shot under covid lockdown and that's why if you notice it kind of stood out to me after a while all the scenes that are filmed in public, there's nobody anywhere. The restaurant is empty. The bar is empty. The carnival is empty. The beach okay. is empty. There's nobody in this movie. There's no extras at all because everything was shut down from COVID. So I don't know maybe if that's why there is no physical contact between anybody, sexual or otherwise, in this movie. But if this is trying to be that kind of thriller, then that's another thing it didn't do. Yeah, not a lot of faith in the uh, the RT top uh, right now. When Evil Lurks is sitting pretty pretty on top of that list, I still need to see that again. That's on Shutter now. Still, everyone yeah. loves it. Yep, yeah, that one's way up there. 
but I, I did I did take a, a spin through um, some of these when I was you know like we talked about when I was trying to discern I mean w- which you shouldn't have to do this much fucking homework and you like everything yeah. is ruined I, I know everything I is know. ruined Rotten Tomatoes is ruined it is ruined podcast it's ratings it's all fake. ruined Instagram <laughs> followers ruined everything's gamed everything's gamed uh, I, when I was trying to like figure out okay uh, let's try to figure out the game. Uh, there's a movie called like They Wait in the Dark or something like that. It just oh, looked very indie. That. Yeah, and it was quick. I know a ton of time, so I was like, whatever. I want to spin through like one more of these before Trent and I do this half-assed best of Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> episode. Horrible. Yeah. Horribly made. Horribly acted. Just a bad, bad movie. Yeah. What's I it called? It? Like I think it's They Wait in the Dark. They Wait in the Dark. Yeah. Really uh. bad. Well, Influencer had four skulls on Shutter, which I have come to. Now, I don't look at comments on, on Shutter because, you know, I, I don't care. But I, I had kind of come to believe that if, if something had four skulls on, on Shutter, which is the user rating, you at least know that these are, at least broadly speaking, these are like minded film fans. Um, four skulls god i i it makes me sad for the new generation they think this is some kind of great thriller man they haven't seen much well i think we were spoiled um not to brag but we were early to the game on shutter when it was a very small community and and the shutter app is actually one of my favorite things because when you look at a movie on the shutter app like the comments yeah, All of those yeah. skull ratings, just they're right there. You, you have yeah. no homework necessary, and it is running the gamut. I know. Well, that's what makes it so useless because what it, it's it, just it, like it didn't uh, used to be. I think it really did used to be. Probably it was a smaller community of yeah. fairly like my. If you were paying, whatever 2018, you, if you were paying for Shutter, Shutter, you yeah. fucking meant it. Like yeah. it wasn't just another. Now it's part of seven hundred thousand different add-ons that you can get on your various streaming apps. And yeah, anyway, influencers sucked. So next week, we are still talking about Pearl and Death Proof with the... Which I think Death Proof might have left Tubi. Oh, really? By the time this comes out. Okay. I'm sure you can probably find it somewhere, but... Uh, Spoiler alert, I wouldn't recommend renting it. Oh, ouch. 